From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight, WHUPLP from Hillsborough, North Carolina. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. We have a great show for you about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today. My guest in studio is going to be Samantha Fallhaber. Sam is a Gracie Humacha black belt who was recently located to Durham from uh, who has recently relocated to Durham from Philadelphia. Is teaching both gi Jiu-Jitsu classes and kin stretch at Elevate MMA. She has a workshop this coming week as well as a super fight at Toro Cup. So she's jumping in with both feet, and we'll talk with her about all of those things at the bottom of the hour. First, got to get to the news, because there's a lot going on, as ever, in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community in the Carolinas and beyond. So we're going to we're gonna do that, but first I'll let you know how to get a hold of the show. You can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhup at gmail.com. We're active on Instagram at Dirty White Belt and on Twitter at DWB Radio. We also have a Facebook page that is Cageside Radio, and we'll be posting bonus content there, videos, etc., all the other stuff that can help you engage with the show. So let's get right to the news. So this weekend's the Charlotte Open, uh, the IBJJF's second trip to Charlotte, and the results are still coming in, so what I'm going to mention is not a comprehensive list. I invite you to update us on who did what on our Facebook page or just email us directly. But here are the folks that I know did really well. John Shell, show guest, uh, repeated brown belt beast, uh, won his weight class and absolute at the Charlotte Open, so congratulations to John. Eric Habel followed up on his success at the Nogi Pans, getting gold at the Nogi Pans once again. Went up a weight class to Master 1 Featherweight. Not Eric usually competes at light feather, but to get more matches, he went up to Featherweight and wound up getting gold there. So just another another tremendous performance by Eric in back-to-back weeks. Congratulations. Amber Habel also with the silver medal in her weight class. Saida Durki, the Ginger Ninja, who is also competing with Amber at next week's Toro Cup. We'll talk about that in a second. Won her weight class as well and got bronze in the absolute division. Uh, as ever, uh, you know, there are always going to be people that we want to talk about that we don't know about, so please let us know who we should be following along with the next time the IBJJF comes to town. If you live anywhere from D.C. all the way down to the southernmost tip of South Carolina, don't worry, you have an opportunity to compete at U.S. Grappling in the next month. On October 21st, U.S. Grappling goes back to Northern Virginia, and on the 28th, Greensboro, North Carolina. I've been to this Greensboro tournament a bunch. It was actually my first jiu-jitsu tournament ever, and they always put on a tremendous event. So whether you're in it for the fun, for the competition, to get in better shape, to meet your friends, or just take part in a great community event, check out usgrappling.com to register.
Another exciting thing I want to update y'all on. We announced a bit ago that we're giving our first ever annual awards, and that's going to happen at the end of this year. So the Dirty White Belt Awards, or the Dirties, as I hope to get that nomenclature popularized, uh, are going to happen at the end of this year. But you can participate by nominating your coaches, your teammates, your training partners, or just people that you admire in the jiu-jitsu community. If you go to dirtywhitebelt.com and click on our blog, you'll see a post which shows you how to nominate folks. And if you are internet-averse or if the only activity you engage in on the internet is listening to this here podcast, which, you know, is okay. You can also do so live next weekend at Toro Cup. That's right. It's Toro Cup week, October 14th, Saturday at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in uh, Durham, North Carolina. That's 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina. There are at current count 24 amazing super fights, which we'll get into in a second. But in addition to that, Lourdes and I, along with Betsy O'Donovan, are going to be there collecting nominations for the Dirty White Belt Awards. So if you have an amazing coach that's a tremendous competition instructor or an excellent self-defense instructor, or if you have a particular match that was a favorite match this year, we're giving Match of the Year awards. Uh, maybe it was a Toro Cup match. Maybe it was a match at U.S. Grappling. It doesn't matter. You can nominate for all these awards. We'll have a box for you to nominate. So speaking of Toro Cup, before we get into our featured interview with Sam Fallhaber, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, those of you that that follow along regularly with the show know what Toro Cup is, but if you're new to the show, Toro Cup, this is our eighth iteration of it, and it's a series of jiu-jitsu super fights at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Academy, which is also the site of the Cageside MMA Warehouse, 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina. These super fights benefit local charities. In the past, we've benefited the Durham Animal Protection Society, the Raleigh Women's Shelter, um, numerous different uh, Mission 22, which prevents veteran suicide. This year, you know, we've, we've raised more than $10,000 for those causes. This this time, the charity is going to be Warrior Wellness Solutions, which is Elijah Sacra's charity to benefit uh, veterans uh, suffering from PTSD. And Elijah does a lot of really interesting stuff in the community. And it's also really great when we can support other charities that are organized by jiu-jitsu practitioners and people in the jiu-jitsu community, like the Pendergrass Foundation, uh, which benefits cancer research as well. So if you want to get out to Toro Cup, I guarantee a few things. I guarantee that you will support a good cause, and I guarantee you will see some spectacular matches. Because there's 24 matches planned, I can't possibly get into them all, but I can tell you some of my personal favorites. For one thing, this is going to be the most ever black belts that have competed on a Toro Cup card. We have, I think, eight black belt matches, which is really exciting. Uh, You know, I remember when there were fewer than eight black belts that I could train with on a regular basis, and so to see like 16 really, really tough practitioners compete is pretty awesome. So the matches that I'm most excited about, I already mentioned a couple of these names. I'm really excited to see Amber Habel against Saida Durkee. These folks are not in the same weight class, but they're both incredibly game competitors at Blue Belt, and they both regularly get on the medal podium and shockingly have never faced each other. And so both of them are also some really incredibly positive influences and good representatives of jiu-jitsu, so I'm very excited to see them. I've never seen either of them in a boring match either, so, so that's exciting. Um, another match that I'm excited about, Brian Edwards of Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu, really good competitive black belt, is going to compete against UFC veteran Marcus Davis, who a lot of folks know uh, teaches in Raleigh now. And so, you know, I haven't seen Marcus compete in the gi. I know he has, uh, you know, obviously, but I just haven't seen that. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Brian's had a terrific year of competition. And so to watch that match, I think is going to be super cool. A couple of other matches before I get to the one that I'm like, there's one match that I'm most excited about. I'm excited about of, of the 24 matches. I'm excited for 24 of them. So I'm just giving you the highlights here. 
But Shayla, too, my good friend and training partner, is a very exciting purple belt competitor, and she's competing against Taylor Saucer. Taylor, a tremendous purple belt from Gustavo Machado, who has also put on some incredible Toro Cup performances in the past. I remember her match against Iman Belbasi was one of my favorite action-packed Toro Cup matches. And Shayla, once again, never has a boring match, always goes for the submission. So that's going to be a super exciting match. Can't wait to see that. So I have, I have two other matches that I want to that I want to mention. Uh, one is going to be so so Boomer from Cage Side and Toro has actually gotten a championship belt for the Toro Nogi Championship, and every every good championship needs a belt, and that belt's going to be up for grabs between Andrew Bittner uh, and Josh Williams. Neither of those dudes have ever like have ever stopped fighting for submissions, <laughs> you know, and so. And Bittner just taught a very well-received uh, seminar at Elevate MMA about footlocks. And I know Josh is a really good footlock practitioner as well. But there, but Josh also has great wrestling. These are guys who are both good on top, good on bottom, good with the feet, good with chokes. And so I have no idea where this match is going to go. Uh, but especially with a no-gi match, I expect a, a really action-packed match. So so can't wait for that. And uh, and if you were at the Andrew Bittner seminar, then you know exactly in what detail Bittner thinks about technique. So watching his growth as a practitioner has been super exciting. And so I can't wait to see that come to fruition. So the other match I want to talk about um, and, and you know, and let, let's 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 actually it's actually two matches, but whatever. Um, so David Porter is going to compete against Greg Walker, and I'm shocked that these two dudes have not competed against each other because both are top tier black belt competitors. Greg is at a tremendous year; just won the DC Open, uh, beating DJ Jackson in the finals. You know all about D- Dave Porter, uh, regular Toro Cup competitor, fight to win competitor, veteran. Um, you know, constant top of the podium at U.S. Grappling. So, and and these dudes are not just both really exciting competitors. It's a really intriguing clash of styles. You know, Greg is an extremely well-rounded jiu-jitsu competitor, but his wrestling is, I think, what what I am, what he, he is most known for and what I'm most impressed by. And so, so when I see Greg, I think a dude that's going to take you down, get on top, try to smash you, pass your guard, and submit you. And when I see Dave Porter, you know, Dave also an incredibly well-rounded jiu-jitsu competitor and a, a regular guest on the podcast, but somebody who doesn't care as much about position so much as going for submissions from unexpected angles, unexpected entries. Um, you know, everybody knows about his Darce choke, but Dave's footlock game is also very good, and he can catch you from any position. And so I'll be very interested to see how this clash of styles plays out. And, you know, two guys that are that are really terrific competitors competing against each other. And, and exciting news, we're also going to have Greg in the studio the day after Toro Cup. So I'm very excited to sit down. Greg's been on the podcast just briefly before uh, recapping one of his matches, but I'm excited to sit down with him for a full hour in studio. So another match I want to tell you about by way of transition is a rematch. And this is one of the uh, this is one of the, the matches that I've been most excited to be about to be involved with personally. So back when we were the Cage Side Concussion Cast, which was what the show was called initially, we had an event called the Concussion Cast Carnival. And we put on a series of super fights in an MMA cage of jiu-jitsu super fights. And we had we put on the first ever black belt match between women in North Carolina, and one of those was Caitlin Huggins, who just got second in absolute at the Charlotte Open, so congratulations to Caitlin. And the other is my guest, Samantha Fallhaber. So we're going to talk to Sam about that match, about how she's prepping for the rematch, about kin stretch, about her thoughts on functional movement, about her classes at Elevate MMA, about her upcoming seminar at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, and about her constant quest to live her life in a flow state. And so on the other side of this break, we'll talk to Samantha Fallhaber. 
Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. Our guest for the rest of the hour is Gracie Humacho Black Belt, Samantha Fallhaber. Sam, welcome back to the studio. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> How are things? Hi, Jeff. There we go. Hi. How, How are, are you? Oh, jinx. Absolute anyway. jinx. I'm, I'm, I'm always good. It's always good to be on a beautiful Sunday morning in North Carolina talking about jujitsu. So, uh, so I'm great. How, how are things since you've been here? You've moved here now 10 days ago, two weeks ago? No, Thursday was, uh, I came in late last Thursday night. So uh, just over a week. Wow. Now. So yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, kind of what you first. Actually, I have a question, real quick. How did that match with Greg and DJ happen? Like, what happened in uh, the match? Greg won on points. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait a minute, I didn't hear about this. What yeah. <laughs> so I, I am uh, at least minorly as obsessed as you are with kind of following a lot of these things, and I'm curious, and I tend to be the the friend that people like to sit next to at Worlds to tell them about all the people that I somehow know names of and to watch, and Kenny Saver cool sometimes would school me on who to talk look to and all those things. I remember watching Alexander Trans as a purple belt with Kenny being like, that's the guy to watch, and hey, <laughs> all those things. So anyway, yeah, that's all. Um, but yeah, North Carolina's been awesome. I... Making friends everywhere I go. I've been I've trained at two academies so far, Elevate and Triangle. Um, since you welcomed me at the open mat last Saturday, and that was awesome. And I had a really good time training with you guys um, and just chatting with everyone. It's been really friendly. Weather has been great. Uh, yeah, you really can't complain. Um, maybe a kind of I've, you know I've had my one or two moments of like I miss Philadelphia and I miss my academy and all, but um, kind of pertaining to what you said about my goal of living in flow state is I tend to do everything that I want to do. <laughs> and it's made uh, transitions like this a little easier, I would say, um, to make big changes because I sincerely know I wanted to do it and it felt like the right thing to do. And things are generally easier when you do that. <laughs> yeah. Living life like doing everything you want to do is kind of a, a good goal to live by, I think. Yeah, so. stop doing things you don't want to do. I think that can be, it can be um, an extractory process to start maybe of like, all right, what if I stop saying yes to things that I don't actually want to do? And I kind of have a bit of a rule about it that you know, it's constantly evolving about if I am afraid of something, uh, if I feel like there's a fear factor of wanting to do something, um, I have to do it. Uh, Valerie Worthington thinks similarly about this. I think she's been on the podcast before as well. A good, great friend of mine up in Philly. Um, and uh, if I, which is entirely different than not wanting to do it, <laughs> right? You cannot want to and be afraid of it. But if it's just a fear thing, like, and it's not like you kind of really want to do it, but you're just afraid, that's where your greatest opportunities tend to lie, um, which is something that reason, one of the reasons why I think everybody should compete at some time since we're, we're kind of rushing on that as well. And just because it, regardless of the outcome, it tends to make you stronger. Um, you just learn something about yourself, you know. I couldn't agree more about challenging fears. Uh, you know, I think that is the opportunity for growth that we all want, and kind of jujitsu can be a proxy for that. It can also be like the direct driver of that. And Valerie talked about that in her interview. And if you haven't checked out that interview in the archive, folks, check out the Val Worthington interview. It's primarily about her book, about her jujitsu road trip that changed her life. But Val has a lot of really incredible thoughts about jujitsu, about the process of learning, about education. She's and great at coaching people through that stuff, too. She's got a, her own coaching practice now. Mm. I don't know if she did at the time when you talked to her. <laughs> yeah. She didn't mention it, but I would have paid for it her, her then. And I, <laughs> and I probably should right now. But like, so you mentioned doing things that you want to do and things that you have a passion for. And I know two of the things of, of those 
those things for you are jujitsu and functional movement. And so you're teaching at Elevate now. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk first about kin stretch because I'm not really sure that most of the audience knows what that is. And so if you could give us a primer in what that is and why you think it's valuable and what a typical class, which, uh, you know, I, I took your first class, which was great. But but like I think a lot of the listeners would be interested in knowing what they can expect from kin stretch. Yeah. Uh Kin stretch is the class version of something called functional range conditioning, which is under the umbrella of functional anatomy seminars, which is started by Dr. Andrea Spina. It sounds like I'm doing jujitsu lineage, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> you gotta, like trace, tracing it back to Ilio would be um, would be tracing it back to Andrea Spina, who's a chiropractor based out of um, Toronto. Um, I'm sure he's got a lot of other degrees under his belt, so to speak, as well. And he does jujitsu uh, <laughs> as well. Um, so a lot of the um, the things they they do things like, all right, now we're gonna do a rear naked choke mobilization or something along those lines. Um, so he started out with a realizing that there wasn't as much attention to detail as there could be with practitioners. The conditioning side of things. Um, has a very simple concept behind it of of what are you evolved to do as a human being, as an organism that walks around on two legs, and what was the you know, what were the circumstances under which we evolved? What are you currently doing now and what are you doing to bridge that gap? Because you sure as hell aren't doing what you evolved to do. And I love the point of, you know, we like to try to pack all of our information in or all of our um our daily movement into an hour or into two hours or maybe three if you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner and say that's enough. Um, I'm basically quoting him here, um, but we don't get to say what's enough. Um, it That's just not how your body works or <laughs> things. So a lot of my time is spent trying to teach people that just putting all of your joints through a range of mo a full range of motion can activate all your mechanoreceptors and give you a better sense of where you are in space. We have a huge amount of our brain devoted to just knowing where we are in space. And by stimulating your nerves in the joint capsule, the deepest layer of your joint, you actually have a better sense of yourself. Um, so it kind of gets a little deep uh, <laughs> in that way. So kin stretch is a class, long story long, um, that is devoted to giving you better control over the individual components of your body. And so we'll say, I'll often see people trying to do a hip circle. When you look at it, it's really their spine doing most of the work, for example, like the, the rotation isn't coming from the hip itself. Um, so we teach you about all the different ranges of motion that you can do um, and work on coordination and practice. And keeping your joints healthy. Joints stay healthy by moving. Um, here's some specific ways to move it. Here's some ways to develop control over tension in your body. That was what yesterday's class was was introducing people to. The one that you took was kind of a, a catch-all of, all right, here's how all your joints are supposed to be able to move from a couple of positions. Um, and now I'm starting to introduce um, a base layer of controlling what kind of tension you're imparting. Um, even really super strong fit people tend to have kind of two settings, sort of an on and off, and it's usually somewhere around zero and 100% effort. Mm -hmm. And um, I come from closer to the zero cultivating lazy jujitsu, let me just move around you while you do whatever you're doing and avoid actually having to push on anything hard. Uh, <laughs> but um, being able to capture um, more of the ability to engage my body at various levels of tension has given me a better sense of control and, um, I don't know, intimacy with myself with moving around. 
that was a really bad like elevator speech <laughs> but hopefully people got something out of it basically come to skin search class if you want to learn how to move your body better and control it <laughs> yeah the people who listen to this podcast don't generally like short elevator speeches we like long in-depth explanations oh, great that's fantastic why, that's why it's an hour-long show <laughs> but yeah and like the class i took was interesting and one thing that i noticed uh, you know both for myself and some of the other folks that do jujitsu it's like so i've done yoga since i was six and i consider myself a very flexible person yeah but like clearly there are some ranges of motion that are different for me and like some where I'm like wow I actually have very limited range of motion or I just don't activate my joints in this way mm-hmm. that Sam is showing me how to and there are some other people in, in, in that class that are much better athletes than I am who are like wow you know I tried to do this movement and I'm a super beast athlete but wow th- this feel it, feel it feels awkward which is you know I think a really important growth space for us that want to yes. keep training. If you want to talk about that that sort of ego space um, some of the stuff I introduced in, in yesterday's class very much is like I don't you know and of course I'm always working on my cueing to make sure that I'm not the reason that it's that's having a problem with that um but uh it feels like you quote unquote should be able to do it which is why it tends to be very frustrating people the great easiest example would be if the listeners would care to try to lift their big toe up without lifting any of their other toes some of them might be easy for you congratulations um for me it took me a week (laughs) I'm like I do jujitsu I use my feet all the time in natural ways Nothing. It was like, what? it's staring, you know, God forbid, I, I hope I never have to experience what it is actually like to be paralyzed, but it f- was the closest I've ever come in my life to realizing I'm trying to send a signal to a part of my body and it is not responding. And so I, but I also learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've learned from, you know, the books that I've read on neuroscience and things and the way that functional anatomy seminars is geared is the point is there is always hope. Um, you just have to send the right signals. And a lot of that, a uh, big part of the cueing in construction FRC is to stop doing stuff that hurts, which is famously something jujitsu people do not want to hear. Um, but, you know, my analogy is usually if you have a cut on your arm and you keep rubbing it, it's probably not going to get better. There's a reason that you're getting these pain signals in your body. And if you keep pushing into it, it's not going to get better or it's if it does, it's probably because you're doing some great sort of compensation and then the other thing is getting more or less tired. You've got this beautiful symphony going on in your body that's made to carry the loads of everyday life and everything else you ask of it um, and does it wonderfully, but uh, it's made to work together. And when there's fairly strict pathways, we tend to be very sagittal plane people, um, like moving forwards and backwards, not so much side to side. At least jujitsu covers more of that. Um, but not in as dedicated a way as we cover in kin stretch. Um, kind of what you said about, you know, the people often think, oh, so it's kind of like yoga, it's kind of like Pilates or things. Um, the difference between kin stretch and other group classes that I've taken personally is that there are basically no correct positions. There are some base positions that will work out of, um, but it's more along the lines of how far can you personally move this joint outside of a range that hurts outside of a range that is compensated by some other thing um, and with you know whatever level of tension that we're asking of it. So things that are very safe to the nervous system but are completely customized to you in a class setting. And then so the goal is to make you better at using all of your joints so that you can go do whatever the heck you want. If you love yoga, that's awesome. Go do as much yoga as you want. But if you're shoving yourself into a position that your body doesn't actually have control over because you're looking at your neighbor and that you don't look like they do, you're not necessarily doing what's right for your body. So let's learn to control the individual joints better and then make whatever shapes you want. Mm-hmm. 
I have an abstract question that's going to lead to a more concrete yeah. question, which is, like, so one of the things that you mentioned about your analogy with rubbing a cut is like one of the things that I think jujitsu teaches is that I think is really valuable, but has a dark side is toughness and mm-hmm. pushing through sure. it. And like, oh, hey, you know, your leg is sore, but you got to get out there and compete. Or like, oh, you're tired and it sucks and you want to quit and that, that girl is yeah. smashing your face, and but you can't, you can't just tap. You got to, but at the same time, I think that that can go too far and we can sort of push ourselves through through injury and do long-term harm. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how do you think about that in terms of someone that is both teaching gi jiu-jitsu and teaching kin stretch, which is a lot more long-term focused. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that goes back to uh, the way my coaching and sort of the flow state thing again with like how often are we, I like to get to the bottom of why people are doing things. Um, I think this, this may be even slightly off topic, but the, I think a lot of times it's, it's very possible for people to be using jujitsu as a crutch um, as opposed to a tool um, as well. So like I compare it to when people try to foam roll, I always say, all right, so you like foam rolling, it feels good. Um, so let's just pick a number on a chart. Let's say you're at a, a level five of discomfort, and when you finish foam rolling, you go back to a three, so you feel a little better, but the next time you foam roll, you're back at a five, um, or maybe worse, and then you kind of bring it down, so you're kind of just doing this bouncing against the same ceiling. When you go to train or you use it as like a stress reliever or something along those lines, like I would ask the same things. Are you doing it because you you know, like you're you at a five of stress level and you go and you feel better afterwards or are you making it so that you're actually like, you know, worse or are you coming right back to the same level? Let's look at other things that are going on in your life and stuff. And like you get into that sort of masochistic side of things of like, are you hurting yourself to distract from something else? Are you doing these things? So there's a lot of things that can go into any of those individual decisions. As a coach and as a teacher, I always am looking at don't do things that hurt yourself. There are sacrifices that you make for competition. Um, and just be conscious of that. Accept that that's what you're doing. I think that there's a bond, weird bonding that happens with people talking around the water cooler about all their injuries. And I, I usually am the annoying canary in the corner trying to say, like, you know, there's stuff you can do about it. There's things you can do, like, even not, like, stopping training. Like, you can do things while you're doing, you know, it won't get better as fast as if you like actually rested and slept enough, like dear God, but like, but you know, I actually didn't sleep that great last night. So I'm talking to myself here, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, man, I would say that the push through the pain stuff is not something that I generally support, but when you see people that are so in love and truly in love with the sport and that is really what they want to be doing and you can just see the way they glow and like the way that they approach competition. Bia Basilio for example, Jesus Christ, like if if she has pain, I don't care. She's like living her best life. Like she's like this golden little honey badger of like attack, attack, attack and stuff. And then some people I'll look at and I'm like, I don't think like you really love this as much as you think you do. And I was that person is maybe why that kind of... um resonates with me like when I moved out to San Diego to to manage another academy like I don't think I did that because I like wanted to do it as much as I was like sort of understood this is an opportunity and I should take it um and it was great and I learned a lot of stuff and I met some really awesome people and it organized some really amazing things I organized a Hickson seminar out there organized the first Gracie Umaita um uh in-house tournament like that brought people in nationally like I was managing Hoyler's Academy out there. Like, it was amazing. I won a lot of stuff. 
But if I was talking to old me now, I would probably be like, well, do you actually want to do it? And my answer, I can't honestly say that I would say yes. I'm not sad. I don't regret at all. Like, I really don't think I have regrets because I I love sounds corny, but I love myself all the time. And if I love myself now, that means I love all the past versions of myself. And I don't accept compromise on that. I do love and have compassion for all of the versions of me that there have been and will be. Um, But I still think like, I don't know. I wonder what else would have happened if I'd like not gone. I don't know. You never know. (laughs) And I'm not a fan of living in the past or the future. I prefer to live in whatever's going on right now, which is looking at Jeff Shaw and and all the the cool notes he's taking. What what do you have to ask me? (laughs) So uh, speaking of, this is actually super relevant to living in the now, which is this week, October 13th, Mm -hmm. you're going to give a seminar or workshop in Kin Stretch at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm just wondering, someone who's listening to this, who is listening to this for the first time and like, oh, this Kin Stretch sounds cool. What can they expect from that workshop? Yeah, they can expect to understand what they can and can't do better with their bodies. Um, it's a, a sort of raw honesty with yourself, um, <laughs> with with my eyes helping you through it. Of um, kind of lear- learning those like how many ways you compensate through stuff. Um, since it, I it's we have it slated to be a um, jujitsu slash mobility workshop. I love. I don't think that they're separate. I need a lot of mobility for jiu-jitsu. Um, like, I came up with a game you guys could try at home that I, I uh, tried on the people at Elevate last week, and it seemed to go pretty well about, for example, like your spine. Okay, you're supposed to, do you agree that perhaps, you know, leading question, right? Do you agree that you'd be able to create better pressure on your opponent if you had better control over the individual parts of your back? I would agree. (laughs) Excellent answer. All right. So we just played a thing where he said, all right, everybody take your belts off and lay it um, crossways, like underneath your chest, so perpendicular to your body. And then you have a partner try to pull the belt out from under you. And so you've got to hold it down with just one part of your, your back basically. Well, I mean, we did it face down, so as if you were on mount, but you're using all those muscles coming through. Okay, and then you move it down a little bit, and then you have to hold it down in that spot. So you kind of figure out for yourself, you self-organize into what that is. One of the speeches, like the speech I did at the Kinsters class you were at, was about how we are task-based creatures, and that's fantastic because I would rather not have to think really hard about activate finger to grip cup of coffee in my hand here you know so that's great but this is a dedicated amount of time that you're setting aside to to focusing on what your individual joint is doing like most people have never asked themselves to move their shoulder and only their shoulder if i say do a shoulder circle they're probably just going to do whatever it normally does and i'm like okay well like let's notice whether or not your spine is doing half the work which tells you something about what your habits are every time you reach to get something in the back seat of the car are you using your spine or your shoulder or both um and probably a lot of things, but like, yeah, raw honesty is the way to go. So you got to be prepared for for that. If you thought your ego was beaten down enough by jujitsu, uh, or wasn't beaten down enough, come to Kin Stretch and learn some real stuff about yourself, but really have a chance to improve. Um, it's creating individual stressors as well on the joints. So we use progressive loading, um, internal loading. I use some tips and tools about uh, like using tennis balls or things like that um, to create more engagement through the body and the places that we're looking for um and that is going to make you stronger just like lifting a weight is in in its basic thing your body regards stress as stress it doesn't necessarily care if you are lifting an external weight or you're providing internal resistance so there's a lot of miming in that sense or pressing against a solid object for isometric loading which is really safe for your nervous system isometric being that you're pressing down hard but nothing is moving again or against something or i sometimes say invisible wall um and pressing against and uh 
yeah, I mean, there's some bias towards if you get into technical stuff, like the lower body tends to like having um, external weights a little more, um, but you can use body weight exercises for your upper body um, pretty much just as well as far as the, the research says now um, versus doing it with uh, external weights. My guest is Samantha Fallhaber. Sam teaches a regular kin stretch class at Elevate MMA, and this uh, Friday, the 13th, uh, Sam will be teaching a class at uh, a workshop, both jiu-jitsu and functional movement, at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Academy. On the other side of this break, we'll talk a little bit more with Sam about jiu-jitsu, including her competition history, her match coming up with Caitlin Huggins, which is a rematch, and a little bit more. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. And so another interesting thing that's happening, like r the day after your seminar, uh, is Toro Cup. 24 matches, including one of yours, which There's is... There's skin stretch that morning, actually, there, too. I'm going to go from teaching to fighting. Wow. <laughs> so I definitely want to circle back with that, because I wanted to ask you, like, how do you approach teaching a workshop the night before? But you're actually teaching the day of, which is crazy. Um, but, like, I, I want to talk to you about that. But first, uh, I want to mention... You know, you had a match with Caitlin before, which was the first black belt match between women in yeah. North Carolina history. So that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was really cool. Oh, no, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Really fun event to be a part of. Really terrific match. And so I'm curious because there are a few different things about that match. The rule set was similar, but the first one was in a cage. This one is on a mat. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what do you expect from this rematch, and how are you preparing for it? I expect her to be really good at guard passing, <laughs> as <laughs> she is. And... Um, and I'm going to try not to let her do that. <laughs> that would be a thing. Um, yeah, I I just, I'm, you know, I'm just starting to write in, uh, articles for Inverted Gear, um, also Friends of Yours, I'm sure, Nelson and Hillary. And I wrote one last night that hopefully will, they will like as well about um, sort of narrowing your focus. And so for me... You know, all training to me is finding things that you're not good at and making them gooder, right? Uh, so, like, I was playing, la I've been playing this week with um, with people at Elevate with trying to not to fall to my back as my default. And Tim Sylvester at my school in Philadelphia was always harping on us about, like, how jiu-jitsu people are very much into, like, yeah, I'll just fall down, it's fine. And, like, it is in a lot of ways. Like, all right, now I can attack from my guard and things. But is that always the best option? Probably not, especially against somebody with a freaking strong over-under pass, which was my demise last time I clocked Caitlin. Um, so, like, looking at um, trying to rewire some of my brain to give me more options is exactly the same. It's like, I think everything is everything, right? So, like, all right, like, what am I uncomfortable doing? I'm uncomfortable with trying not to fall to my back, so let me try to stay up. Let me try to stand up in base. Let me change the game and change the angle in a different way. So, I would say that's something that I'm working on. Man, like, I see, like I love fancy spinning around cool jujitsu stuff, but really, if I'd spent the last 14 years just working on my bridge, hip escape, frame, and stand up and base. Like, what, you know, and like a submission somewhere in there. Like, that's like all I would need. So I've, I've often felt that a lot of black belt has been, um, which I got mine in 2015, um, has been uh, 
sort of coming back to the basics, which is such a cliche thing to say, but I've kind of mentioned before, we were talking about as well before we got on the air, that cliches sometimes exist for reasons too. Like, okay, like, yep, it's just the beginning. Well, yeah, it kind of is because you start to realize that like the basics are there for a reason and the solid, more solid and strong foundation that you have yeah, I'm just I'm saying the exact same speech I talked about with mobility training. Um, if you build on strong things, you're going to be better off than if you build on rickety things. So, mm-hmm. and then find those rickety places and fill them in if you didn't in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested to see how this match goes, especially given that. And by the way, your experience is really similar to mine in that I do think we come back to the fundamentals. We come back to the foundation because hey, it's not like you're ever going to be perfect at anything in jujitsu, right? And so you can always get better. Yeah, which is great. I one of my colleagues and friends brought that up once about mobility training. Like, like wouldn't it suck if you were? And I loved it. Wouldn't it suck if you were like, you're done now? You're, you're as good as you're going to get. That's impossible, which you can, it's sort of like an existential crisis thing, right? Like, or should I, like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be as good as I can be. Like, you can take that and go cry, or you can take that and be like, awesome. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Like, let's go. I have more things I can do to get better, as good as I am now. Anyway, so that's, mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, cut you off. <laughs> no, no, like, well, no, this is a free-flowing conversation on adult topics. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, so that's part of why I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Like whether the match goes in a similar a similar vein. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, what it's like without a cage with like because the mat at Toro Cup is really expansive. Uh-huh. And so I'm really excited to see what is similar and what is different because I suspect that, you know, as you mentioned, Caitlin has a very strong over underpass, really t- he wants to do that pressure passing. Yeah, she's game. awesome, man. Yeah, very, very, very good. Very good at that stuff. And so I'm interested to see if like the match plays out where Caitlin tries to get on top and do that or if something different happens. Yeah. And you know, like, it's funny, one thing, that may have been the first match that I, that's the first match I'm aware of that I did my um, unintentional smiling that happens. And I remember Dave Porter talking about it afterwards, like, because, like, I kind of barely knew Seth, like, Seth was coach, Seth Champ was coaching me, the owner of TJJ was coaching me at the thing, who I'd met, like, two days before, and it was fine. But, like, I remember him and, Co- and um and Dave talking about, like, she's in trouble, but she's smiling, I guess it's fine. And, like, I don't even like I just love everything (laughs) and like I'm happy to be there like I'm really like no matter what's going on I'm not saying that I love getting my face crushed but like (laughs) like there's something about it where like and I there's part of me that worries that it comes across as disrespectful but it's truly that I'm just enjoying myself so much and the last couple times that I've fought I've found myself doing the same thing I tend to be either incredibly neutral in face or like I'm having a great time, guys. Like, yeah, I'd rather be on top. But here we are. But here we are. And let's do the best that we can about it. And I'm so happy for this person on top of me because we're all part of the same universe. And like, you basically can't out hippie me at this point. Uh-huh. But, like, oh. but I still want to, like, choke you unconscious. So, like, you know, it's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the I'm from the Northwest, and I, I went to college in Eugene, Oregon, so it's toughed out hippie me, too. <laughs> right, the, let's the, do it. The hippie quotient in this room let's is like really... Let's have a hippie off. Yeah. Please organize the thing. Betsy's like the bronze medal. <laughs> Bet- Betsy's like the bronze metal hippie in this room so, <laughs> so but, but like well and that was the when that was the one chance that i had in my match with caitlin was was that we had an exciting few moments of me trying to pull out a choke and then it didn't work out and then she ended up winning with a pass in the overtime stuff but mm-hmm. so i would like to recreate that with different results of course it would be awesome there you go and like yeah. and, and you know and again the first match was really exciting and if it had been if that match had taken place this year it might be a front runner it might be a front runner for the match of the year dirty white belt awards uh and so maybe there'll be a match of the year candidate from you this know what one. Be, might be interesting for your listeners to hear would be um, I have 
the thought process that everything that happens, like when I go into a competition, I have a conscious thought in my head that like of I have faith that whatever happens is the best thing for the world. And that may sound narcissistic, but I, I mean that in, you know, my microcosm of things like is the best thing. Um, some of you may know me from a fairly viral thing that happened not too long ago. I was at a, I jumped into a Naga competition at Battle of the Beach this year. It was my last time probably with my Philly um, school at a competition. Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry thinking about that. I love you guys so much if you're listening. Um, and I was like, it'd be, it'd be really cool to have that experience with them because I hadn't competed with any of my girls. Um, Kate, Jacqueline, hi, and Mina. And uh, shout, I get the shout out on the radio. That's fun. Um, and so I just jumped in and it ended up being like purple, brown, and black and advanced teens because Naga has these rules about um, like if you keep beating up people, you have to keep moving up. So there were some of these teens that have like won divi- certain divisions and they weren't allowed to compete with the teens anymore. Um, so I fought a really cool blue belt um, I was 17 years old a couple times. We had a really fun final match in the in the gi division. Um, oh, no, in the no gi division. And then I fought her again, and I choked the poor girl unconscious in the in the second time I fought her that day in gi. And then my uh, my final, I did three divisions that day, and the one match that I lost was against Alone Irvin Greenbelt. And she was so cool, and it was so funny. And of course, I regretted that I was having like a side conversation with her outside earlier. No, I felt exclusive, where like somebody was coming out to me and like sort of shooting the shit, and I was trying to concentrate, and I felt a little bad, but like, you know, I was sort of deflected a little bit because the this Greenbelt was sitting behind me, and I was like just saying about how tough people were. She was like, Why are you fighting these other belts? And I was like, Yeah, that's just the way it is, blah, blah, blah. And you don't even know how good people are. And I turned to the Greenbelt behind me not knowing her name at the time and was like yeah like how long have you been training for and I, I, I it was somewhere between six and eight years I forget something like that I was like yeah like see like man I was like I'm afraid of green belts ha 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 <laughs> and then I was not surprised at all we ended up being the final I was like oh boy I'm fighting the girl I just thought I was afraid of green belts this is awesome um and it was great and she was so good and she's like I think she was like 10 pounds lighter than I was and taller than I was. So like talk about her, her nickname is the Amazing Spider Girl. And and she was great and she did a lot of great things and she got on top and she won. And so, okay, that was the one match I lost today. I literally didn't think anything else of it. And I've I've like seen Donnie is the um, the head like kids coach, I believe, of the um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, of, <laughs> of the Lloyd Irving crew and Anybody that goes to any tournaments knows that Lloyd Irving kids are ridiculous. Like, there's, it's, you know, like, Unity kids, like, mm-hmm. Lloyd Irving kids. Yeah. Like, those are some wars. Like, you see I have a similar belt. story with a Unity orange belt, by the way. Was it me. Mateen? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and his sister is amazing, too. I, no, actually, and actually, now that I think about it, I have yeah. two Unity orange belt stories. The other was Mateus, who's now, I believe, a purple belt. It might be a blue belt, but yeah. he was a young kid, just a killer. But Did the, you fight him? Uh, no, oh, no, I trained with him. Yeah. But they were like, like, yeah, go with the orange belt. And I was like, I see what you guys are doing to I me. See what's going <laughs> on. Uh-huh. And you're like, and like a part of you is like, ha ha. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Nope. <laughs> I nope. actually can't move right no, now. No part of me There's was like, no. ha I've, I've been around enough where I was like, I understand when you're visiting What's a gym and they're right like, now. go with the orange belt. Yeah. And it, but but continue. Yeah. So that was like, so the internet picked up on it mm-hmm. and because there there's this awesome picture of me with my hand down and her hand raised and historically i usually actually smile more when when i lose but i didn't in this one so i had the, the all the great like untucky hair looks like crap oh, was a, and donnie posted it and then you know you know whatever you know about lloyd he is good at marketing and 
he took it and next thing I know like I kind of like just kept on Facebook like before going to bed and and saw like oh Jujutsu Times posted an article with my picture of that and I was like this could get interesting and I wasn't even gonna like say anything because like I didn't care like and then I started to get some messages from people concerned for my mental well-being and i was like okay i'm gonna put something else be like hey guys just so you know like you know you may see this thing i've been informed this match went viral just so you know i don't care like everything's fine um if you have any questions i'm happy to answer them and then so we got this like hundred something comment thread i had black belts messaging me that i hadn't spoken to in years or i'd never made and spoke to before like saying like they would be losing their shit like they and that they were having these like side com private conversations with other it started this crazy conversations and i mean the hubbub's died down now I'm not trying to bring stuff back up, but it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend uh, Ryan Orico, he teaches yoga and like can stretch like things out in L.A., encouraged me. He's like, you should get out in front of this. You should like what do a video, take the video and do a voiceover of it um, and of like what's happening. And, you know, and we both agreed. Like it was never a question to me that it would all be positive things about how awesome she was and all the good things that she did and things. And it was great. And so I did that. And like so that I don't know, I think it was like 800 views on it or whatever. And um, and we I saw a spawn. Next thing Lloyd does like a live about it. Um, her uh, the the young girls uh, actually messaged me through her mom's Facebook account because she's not allowed to have Facebook, and That's it was adorable. the most adorable, like, awesome, respectful. She's so sweet. She's like really shy, and like, so now I'm like friends with her mom, and now I'm like friends with her coach in a way that I wasn't before, and like. I was in a really weird position that I did. I didn't watch it live, but I did go back. My curiosity got the best of me. I did watch the the live that Lloyd had done, and he spends like the first twenty minutes talking about how great I am and like all of my tournament accomplishments and stuff. So in a way, it was like a perfect way for it to happen because I am somebody that you can't. I'm. I know this. You can't say that I'm not good at jujitsu. I am good at jujitsu. I have you know. Even if I didn't have the term records to prove it, but it's easier to showcase, like, that, all right, she's, like, won stuff. And, like, I've been in the world finals several times. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, a running joke with my teammates for a while. It was, like, I'd get to the final. And every pans and worlds, I'd get to the final and lose. And it'd be different people every time. But i just, like, I guess my body was, like, okay, I'm done now. I'm in the finals. That's good enough. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I want to I highlight three things about that. Like, first of all, you know, obviously, it's not an achievement to beat somebody who's not good, right? Like, <laughs> well, like you, you should never brag about, like, I beat that dude that doesn't have any achievements. But also, I want to say I want to say two things about like first of all, I'm grateful for you to, for taking us through that because yeah. that's it's fascinating to see this from from your perspective, and uh, you know, as someone who's had pictures of Kim Rice choking me go viral several times, I can. <laughs> There's I, I a can picture of me. With. I saw a picture in the background of another picture when Nigel Houston choked me unconscious in the last eight seconds of our match at Worlds last time I did Light Feather. There's a photo of me somewhere on a wall at Lloyd's. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, man, I've been good publicity for. <laughs> That well, team. <laughs> so two things about that. First of all, you have really good friends that are checking in with you because I do think I think your attitude is exactly is, is such a good example for how to handle situations like that. And like I think that your ability to respond to a situation in a positive way is something that is that everybody could learn from and emulate. And so I really admire that. And second, speaking for everyone in the world, your hair never looks like crap. It's only Thank varying you. gradations Excellent. of awesomeness. <laughs> and so it's like Thank awesome you. in this way, awesome in the other way. 
I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff. They do. It's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu gis or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one 24 Lotta Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. So I want to return to one other thing, which is you mentioned, like I was going to ask you, hey, what's it going to be like teaching a workshop the day before you compete in this big match? But you're actually teaching that morning. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, like, a lot of people would be like, I'm taking two days off, I'm prepping, this match is really important. And so I'm wondering, like, why why is that? And why do you feel comfortable doing that? And how do you approach the match coming right off of teaching? Well, I've never done it before. So I like trying things. <laughs> and, um, well, from a personal side, Ken Stretch makes me feel way more in my body than anything else that I've ever done, um, for lack of a better term. I've had experiences on the mat where I almost feel like just really disconnected from myself, where I'm like sort of watching things happen and I'm like, why am I not framing <laughs> right now? And you're like trying you're like sending the signals and you're in your mind there's some little guy pushing buttons trying to say frame and hip escape, but nothing's happening. And um Kin stretch has very much helped me be more consistently in my body because of the engagement level of it. And uh, so I think it'll actually be a good thing. Um, since I've started doing it, I've completely changed the way I do warm-ups before competitions. And also my mood has changed with that too. Like instead of like, I'll listen to like happy music, things that make me want to dance around. Um, and I, because I... Because I personally fight better when I'm having fun. Um, so I put myself in a mood where I'm having fun. And then... Um, I would not recommend to anybody that passive stretching is really what you want to do to warm up and can stretches anything but passive stretching. There's a, there's a little pieces of it, but it's only to get into more active stuff. Um, and so I want to feel as in my body as I can. And so I do like very conscious movement stuff because like, what are you trying to do? Like I, even, even to the point of, I don't really do like big away from my body motions when I warm up. Cause I started thinking out, well, how do I want to feel? I want to feel compact and tight and ready all the time. And so my warm-ups will be like very small isometric contractions um, at varying degrees and getting myself set with that or actually doing like a live train. Um, and this is, and also this is one match, like, I'm not trying to discount the match, and it's long enough that, that I think, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. You probably know this. Yeah, 15 <laughs> minutes, five-minute overtime. Okay. Um, versus last time, I, thought, I think it was 10 minutes and five-minute overtime. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, yeah, it's going to be hard. Black belt's hard, guys. Like, it was... <laughs> Turns out black belts are tough. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, who would have thunk it? But like you know, again, not trying to toot my own horn, but like all the other belts, I was able to hit the ground running. Um, once I got promoted, black belts hard. I mean, I've won a couple of of matches in in competition, but like, yeah, that's really all I guess about it. It's a lot different. Um. But that was another thing I was thinking was, okay, like, I just moved here. I don't feel like canceling a class that I, like, just started teaching. And it's quote-unquote one match. And it's something that I'll be using as my warm-up anyway. And I've always been a better, like, second and third setter. That's part of the thing with the black belt thing. Like, no disrespect to any of people I've ever fought. But, like, you have matches sometimes in tournaments that feel a little bit like a warm-up match. And 
I have unfortunately been warm-up matches The people like Tammy Musumeci, where in my head I'm like, I am nobody's warm-up match. Other people are my warm-up match. And then I realize later, I'm like, I was that person's warm-up match. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> Tammy is really good at jujitsu and is also a really great human being that we've had yeah. on the show. Yeah, oh, Tammy's my God. Awesome. She's like a little beacon of shining positivity all over the internet now, too. And she has, like, mir- mirrors in the, the exact same way I feel about it. I go into every competition absolutely knowing that I can beat anyone and I can lose to anyone simultaneously. And I am totally comfortable with that. Um, and I know very much what it is like to uh, to lose in a way where you, you know, you left it all on the mat, whatever. Like, I didn't stop trying and I know ways that I left. I emblazoned in my memory forever will be a moment when um, Mackenzie and I, Mackenzie Dern and I, were the finals at Purple Belt Pan Ams 2010? Yes. And, um, and it was like a super fun match. Like there was a moment that I know that I gave up, and I'm not. Of course, you very much well who would have beaten me anyway. Like, but I always, I'm always gonna know that, and I know what that feels like. And now I can use that as a tool to talk to other people about it. About like, like if you just one of my favorite cues to teaching kids classes, like try to beat each other as hard as you can the whole time, and that's like. That's all I want. <laughs> like, and as long as you do that, you can leave feeling satisfied with the, you know, with like checking out for the rest of the day. Um, it just feels different, and I, I know it's not satisfying. Um, like, yeah, so it was like X guard, and I remember like my hooks just relaxed a little bit, and that was like the beginning of the end that resulted in me getting choked from the back. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Like, and I don't know why that happened. Who knows? Like, turns out Mackenzie is also good at jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Sorry. I F. It's okay. F. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Doohickey, gosh darn it, heck. Gosh darn it. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So competition. So Toro Cup will be fun. This will be. This is your first Toro Cup match. Yes. Right. So. Absolutely. Excellent. So, um, but you've done, you know, you've competed in many different capacities. And I guess, like, one of the things that I want to follow up on is, do you approach a super fight match different than a tournament? Like, you mentioned that you're a good second and third setter, that you need a little time to get warmed up. But, like, you've done super fights before. And so I'm wondering, is there, like, I guess a two-part question. Like, do you prepare differently for them? And is there a different enjoyment factor? Like, do you like one more than the other or just enjoy them differently? Hmm. Good question. That's why they pay me the moderate dollars. <laughs> okay. Um, can you say that one more time, please? Yeah. So, um, um, I don't know. Can I? We'll find out. Uh, but, like, so first, like, do you prepare for a super fight differently than you would prepare for a tournament? And do you enjoy them? Do you enjoy one more than the other? Or do you just enjoy them differently as someone that you mentioned is a good second and third set? Yeah. Okay. So, pre- preparation-wise, um, in some ways easier um, because you have one person to focus on. I'm not... I have since Blue Belt, I haven't been somebody that like goes and tries to scope out my competition and like watch videos of them and stuff because guess what? Everybody's good. Um, <laughs> and you have to, you have to assume that everybody could mm-hmm. be you. And, um, you know, and there goes into like sort of that Marcelo attitude of like, the, you know, just overwhelm them with what you're trying to do and don't care what they're trying to do and you impose your will and get back to it as quickly as possible. So be aggressive. Um, so I, I guess I've, I guess I like that. Um, as far as enjoyment factor goes, I don't know. I kind of go. I don't have. I don't have a strong opinion mm. either way. Um, maybe I. Maybe I enjoy the tournament a little more than a super fight. Um, there's something kind of nice about like not knowing, in a way. Like there's a little bit more in the end of variety and possibility. Um, which attracts me. Um, 
but yeah, I wouldn't say like really strongly either way. And that's funny because I, I, with my like, I do things that I want to do. I like fight to win was super fun. Mm. Um, like, because <laughs> they treat you like rock stars, and I totally encourage anybody to do them any chance that you get to. Uh, and like, so that was, but that was an entirely different experience overall too. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have flashing lights and fight songs for this one. Not yet. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. it's coming. Tour Cup Ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flashing yeah. lights, fight songs, f- smoke machine. And Total I did smoke. a Kakuto submission challenge in um, in Georgia, which was awesome because they actually like flew us down and things, and that was really fun. Um, and my uh, my friend Anna Salom has done that before, who actually fought Caitlin in this last uh, tournament as well. He's just a beast. If you ever get a and like. I really, we're both sponsored by Fushida, um, is how I like sort of vaguely know her. And we did a little mobility training like a while ago. Highly recommend talking to her if you ever get a chance to. I'd love to. Have, Anna, if you're listening, would love to have you on the show. Hi, Anna. <laughs> um, and I, lo- to I love to- watching her fight too. He's just like such a good, um, such a good competitor. Um, where's it going with that? Uh, yeah, so the Kakuta thing was another experience. So, yeah, everything's like so individualized. Like, there's a little bit more of a standardization of what it's like to do a regular tournament, um, as well as a little more open ended possibility about what could happen. Um, of course, when you get in the higher ranks, there's probably fewer people in your division, especially in the women's, which I know Caitlin is always railing against. Like, I don't want a participation medal. Mm-hmm. Please come out and fight. Yeah. Do this stuff. Um, Oh, and Laura that she fought this weekend, Laura Halleck. I actually got to know her at Kukudo as well, so that was a really cool um, experience. But, yeah, I don't know. That's where that's what I got. <laughs> and, and, and it was exactly what I was looking for. So, Sam, we have about five minutes left. And in the time we have left, I definitely want to make sure that you get time to shout out whoever you want to shout out. But before we get to the shout-outs section, I want to ask, is, is there any question I didn't ask that you really wish I would have asked or anything that you really want folks to know, either about you, about your practice, about your jiu-jitsu, about kin stretch? Anything I didn't ask that you really wish I would have asked? Ooh. Um, no, you're perfect. <laughs> I've always thought so. But, um, I guess things that I like to say. So my current favorite rants um, that I will probably write about sometime for those that, you know, the few people that aren't listening to this um, to, to experience as well is about um, uh, sort of like, going back to that fear thing and how we make our decisions in life i wish more people would trust like everybody like i teach self-defense seminars like everybody nods their heads along when you say like trust your gut don't go down the dark alley don't go down the brightly lit alley if you like don't feel like that's a good thing for you and everybody goes yeah absolutely you know yeah defend yourself and there's a book called the gift of fear which i forget who the author is that um talks about how like basically every crime that's ever committed like he talks to the victims and they end up finding out that they they yeah they kind of knew and they just didn't like want to you know be rude to the person that they were suspicious of they had a feeling about or they kind of noticed that car but again they just like were taught to discount all of the things that we feel all the time and um so i apply like that in the for the good side of things um in a way like it's all imaginary worlds outside of what's happening right now our past and our future and stuff because we're never remember we're remembering things through a filter we're experiencing things through a filter um but like I would like more people to start doing the things that feel good to them. And I apply that to the mobility training with, like, I'm constantly saying in kin stretch, like, you should not, like, let's, you know how relieved your body feels when you just, like, start giving it some respect? Um, And how relieved your mind feels when you start giving it some respect, when you start listening to the things that, these signals that you're getting. Um, 
mobility training like you'll get better results if you build on solid foundations and things that don't hurt and you start to do things that you actually want to do like you start to feel better and clearer and you've, you're a man that's taken a lot of leaps in your life as well and like you know what kind of rush that comes with versus like sort of put, pulling yourself into a ball and not enjoying things the way that you could um you know just trying taking those lessons that you learn from the mat about taking risks and potential risk reward factor and like giving it a shot going from there and i just i wish that people would uh, you know, not discount the fear element of things and what that's teaching you and the experience of like, you know, don't touch the stove, it's hot. But like, what, why would we have evolved these things that we are, we know that we should respect about fear and pain if it, if the good side wasn't something that we'd evolved that should be respected as well? The things you feel drawn to, the things that you, um, want to do, but you keep telling, talking yourself out of. I think there's a reason for both sides of it. So my practice, I move well, Philly. I moved down here, and I haven't decided if I'm going to change the name or not yet. But um, like, is pretty much meeting people wherever they are, and it ends up being this really complicated kind of ball of things from anywhere from because most people never ask themselves what they actually want to do, and I've been cultivating it for a long time. I tend to be very good at perceiving authenticity in people and what they what kind of self care might be missing from their lives, and like how they can love themselves better and sometimes that's like working really hard sometimes it's really specific mobility training sometimes it's lying down and shutting their brain off for a while i would most clients end up with some recommendation of either journaling or sitting quietly in a room for a while or talking to themselves out loud for uncomfortable periods of time um (laughs) and uh and just like the things that come out of those little practices are amazing i I truly believe that I would like my services to be useless, but I don't think they will ever be. And that's a whole another ego thing that I've been going through as well. Of like, okay, so let's say, like, what is my worth if I, if nobody needs my help? Well, you know what? You'll be drawn to somewhere else. There's that whole like everybody has worth everywhere. Like, I, like I love Aaron Hurl's. I love Aaron Hurley's like submit the stigma stuff and like, you know, dealing with people that are in really bad mental positions and things. And I'd like to say to everyone, like, if you exist, you have a reason to be here and pay attention to the things that you're drawn to because even if the thing you used to be drawn to isn't your thing anymore your energy is going to be drawn somewhere else and just keep your eyes open keep your ears open keep your feelings open so that you go to where you're drawn to because if you exist you have a reason to be here is what i truly think and i just like helping people discover what those are that is a terrific thought to end the interview on my guest has been samantha fallhaber you can train with sam on tuesday or on th- on friday october 13th at triangle jiu-jitsu in durham north carolina and regularly at elevate mma on tuesday and saturday for kin stretch on wednesday for gi jiu-jitsu you can see her compete at toro cup on october 14th and you can read her articles on, uh, for inverted gear as well as follow her instagram at move well philly sam Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.